Coming up next on 2NURFM, Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein, and we're taking a look at what commodities are doing, seeing what they're up to this week. We'll also see what your Australian dollar is buying if you're thinking about uh, doing something with the overseas currencies. And we'll take a look at trips and traps in planning your estate. Stephen Pritchard, before we get on to seeing what our Australian dollar is doing and how the commodities are faring, we know that at the moment there's a high, well, there's a conference going on, isn't there, with federal and state treasurers and premiers. And there's talk about a GST increase. Yes, the, the New South Wales Premier has called for an increase in GST, but he, he seems to, in, in exchange for um, trade-off on some other taxes, but it seems to have been forgotten about that a number of taxes were supposed to be abolished when the GST came in the first time, and, um, you know, they still haven't been abolished 15 years later. So I think, you know, the, the state government and, and the federal government need to look at um, where what money's being wasted, for example, on $5,000 helicopter, $5, helicopter rides rather than attempting to raise additional GST from working people. Ooh, no, there is a strong word or two, Stephen. You want to comment, Jane? I think it's a very fair comment. And then we can have a word about the latest Newcastle City Council. Oh, you want to look at parking metres right now, which of course is a question on our Facebook page today as well. It's just unbelievable that the council's parking metres aren't working and they're still going around fining people and then washing their hands and blaming the contractor. Well, you know, the issue is the council's responsible for the contractor's action. And what the council should be doing is waiving all the patent fines and going to the going to the contractor and seeking reimbursement. And you know, it's outrageous that they're attempting to to find people for parking when their own systems don't work. I mean, no private enterprise person would get away with that. You'd have the regulatory bodies onto you. And they're saying that you should make a phone call to the council, wait through however many minutes you've got to wait before you get on to somebody. But are they going to take that cost, the cost of well, calls Well, that's, that's fine. The council should be paying you for, for doing their maintenance reporting job, you know. You know, the council's got plenty of people in there. You know, if they're not running their own assets. Don't, don't, don't look at the, the you know, ratepayers and the people parking the street to subsidise it. There's some other good comments on the 2NURFM Facebook page today on that topic, um, Council Newcastle Council, that is, and the meters. Was uh, anyone in favour of the council's view, Jane? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's just outrageous. In the meantime, speaking about other financial things, commodities, how are they faring this week? Commodities are all lots of sea of red ink here, Jane, uh, lots of red ink. So everything's um, getting cheaper. Gold's everything's cheaper. cheaper. Gold, gold was down 5% on the week to $1,475 an ounce, which is the lowest it's been for a long time. Um, silver was down $1, um, 1% to $20 an ounce. Um, copper was down, which, which is, uh, you know, copper prices is falling, and we'll say a bit about that later as well, um, to $7,319 a tonne, which is down 2% on the week. Uh, nickel prices was up, which is unusual because copper and nickel usually, you know, these base metals usually move in the same direction. Um, so they were up 1% to $15,670 a tonne, and tin was up almost 4% to $20,000 $20,678 a tonne. So that tonne you've got in the backyard, Jane, is getting more valuable. Um, the Australian dollar continues to sink. Um, the RBA was previously talking about 75. I think I think they're looking at um, below 70 now. Um, we, we're down to uh, 73 cents per US dollar, which was down 0.3% on the week. Um, we're down against a great 
uh, Brant's the British pound of uh, 0.3, and we're down against the uh, euro by almost 1%. But we're up against the Canadian dollar by a tenth of a uh, by 10 cents. So. Um, we should all go to Canada. We should all go to Canada, yes. yes. So, so the Australian dollar continues to fall. There are there are some market commentators saying you're now expecting it to get around the 65 cents US dollar. So that was my jaw dropping. Yes, because you're obviously planning on tripping overseas or something. <laughs> so, so it might be a bad idea for anyone who's thinking of going overseas um, to, to lock in some of the exchange rates uh, now because all the commentators are, are saying that uh, it, it's going to continue to fall. Hmm. Buy your money. Mm. Buy your money. Mm. Oh, and just be careful where you buy that too. I mean, you need to. You need to. Um, there's a big difference between um, exchange rates for different financial institutions. Um, um, you know, you've just go along. Hamilton, for example, you know, it's a number of the financial institutions have the exchange rates on these electronic boards out the front, and there's a surprisingly large difference between okay. them. It's worth doing your homework, I yep. think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Looking at the different mm-hmm. ways you can take your money overseas. Yeah. And don't, you know, particularly when people say there's no commission, the real, the real, the real, the real cost in exchange rates is the is the spreads, not the commission. So, the spreads yeah. between how much what, you buy for yeah, and how much you yeah, sell that, for. That's where the institutional, that's where the person makes the money, not not necessarily on the commission. It's it's a drop in the ocean. Mm. Yeah, so you need to look at the all-up costs and, and have a look at that. Mm. And the redeeming costs if you want to change it back once you get back. Anyway, oh, that's another. So you've got money left, have you? <laughs> Topic for another time. That's another topic. We can talk about that from an exchange. Um, okay. Um, and the, the the share market was, was down on the week. It was Actually, it was up, up until yesterday. And it was down uh, 2% yesterday. And um, it was down again this morning. So um, we're down to 5,603 yesterday on the week. Uh, the Dow Jones was down 1% to 17,850. Uh, the NASDAQ, which is a smaller US market, was was up 1.4% on the week to 5,177. And the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong index, which, which kind of, to a certain extent, replicates what's happening in China, that was up 1% on the week to 25,282. Mm. So, so overall, the markets were, you know, down around the world during the week. So, it's probably good news that the Chinese are recovering, and the market is recovering a bit. No, not oh, yet. Well, if, it, if it is recovering, I mean, <laughs> okay. So, have they ordered the fund managers to buy this week? Have they instead <laughs> of not sell last week? Um, and Wex Texas Intermediate Crude, which is is, is down, was down five uh, percent of the week. So, the the crude oil prices is, is, seems to be heading back towards a, the fifty dollar mark where it was, you know, a while ago. It's it's down to $66 a barrel. And, and part of the reason is there's there's talk that um, uh, Iran is going to be selling a, be, a million dollars of uh, crude oil into the market uh, um, a day in the not-too-distant future. So that's going to further depress the crude oil prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and the petrol prices, which is, is dear to everyone's heart, particularly Jane's, um, were down in, New, in Newcastle, were down 3% of the week to $1.36 a litre, and in Sydney it was actually up 2%, so the prices have come close together, so it's $1.38 a litre. So there's only two cents of difference between Sydney and Newcastle, uh, which is which is probably about right when you're taking account the franc cost, but you know we have seen 10%, 10 cents difference. Um, the diesel price were down in Newcastle by half a percent to $1.35, and in Sydney down by 0.3% to $1.29. So they've kind of moved in the same directions there. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, and we're looking at our market snapshot today. Stephen, 
Um, BHP in the news again. It probably should be because it is the big Australian still, isn't it? I don't think they like that phrase anymore, do they? I haven't heard that for a long time. You're showing your age. Gone you know? international. Yeah, well, it yeah, was yeah. nice to have a large company to be proud yes. of, wasn't it? And Westpac but was Australia's... First bank. Yes, it still is now. Wasn't Australia's global? Australia's oh. international bank. Or right. Something? Yes, yes. Uh, well, until they lost all that money. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, uh, BHP, anyway. BHP's cut um, production of their copper, petroleum and coal. Um, um, this is the result, you know, as, as of the falling commodity prices. So, what so tra- nobody's buying, so they're not producing. Well, there's, people are still buying, but they're getting less and less money for it. So so I assume what they're trying to do is, is cut back production and hopefully uh, prices will um, rise. I mean, as a result of BHP's... Uh, announcement yesterday their share price promptly fell two percent and it was off uh, another two percent this morning at about half past ten so the market didn't actually see that as a positive um you'd expect actually that this would have a negative effect on their earnings because um they're, they're still um because pro- bhp's a low cost producer so they're, they're still making money at these low uh low prices they're getting but but by cutting um the car, by cutting production, they're going to have less revenue, so they'll probably make less money. So is there, are they doing this because they hope to make it scarcer, therefore drive the price you up? You would think that's the case, but, you know, um, there's, a lot of other, there's a lot of other producers that, that, that um, um, are locked into contracts and they've got to keep producing, um, which is keeping the price down as, as demands form Mm. Now, speaking about more metals, yes, Atlas Iron. Atlas Iron is a small iron ore miner in uh, WA. Um, of course, it's 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 one of the, it, its production costs is far higher than uh, BHP and Rio, and 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 it's had um, some financial difficulties. So, so what it did, it issued a, um, a rights issue to. Uh, shareholders at about five cents a share which is about half of the 11 cents a share when the rights issue was announced and they were trying to raise 186 million well basically they only raised about 80 million um so there's a hundred million dollar shortfall and what they've had to do is go back to the lenders and try and renegotiate the terms of their their various loans doing it a bit tough um, I'm saying they're doing extremely tough, like all these smaller iron ore producers. But then again, I would have thought the bondholders haven't got much choice um, but to agree to some new terms. Otherwise, what are they, what are they going to do? I mm. mean, the price is the price. I mean, well, we mentioned Westpac a little bit earlier, and uh, they're trying to raise some more money. Yeah, we, we've been talking for a couple of weeks on and off about um, how the APRA is um, is forcing um, banks to raise their capital requirements. Um, the big four plus Macquarie are the major ones because they're, well, they've got this, this thing called um, advanced accreditation um, which the big four plus Macquarie apply and, that, and what's that's had the effect of doing is reducing the amount of capital that equity shareholders funds that they have to hold against things going wrong and APRA's um, in the last week or so revised that model and um, said that you know, in effect the effect of this is that the big four banks are going to have to raise capital so Westpac appears to be getting the first one in. Um, they're talking about raising um, $750 million for a new hybrid share issue. Um, the details aren't um, out as yet, but you know these, these hybrid share issues are, are, are quite have been in the past quite popular with retail investors, but the, the new terms on them aren't quite as good as they used to be, so investors need to take a bit of bit wary and have a close look at the terms on these hybrid share issues. So what is a hybrid share? Well, a hybrid share is a cross between a share and a fixed interest. So basically, while while things and the new issue, the new terms we're talking about, while things are going well, they basically... um, perform like a fixed interest security. They pay you a, a fixed dividend um, 
in the past they've been linked to the bank bill rate plus a percentage used to 2 or 3%. So the gross yield's probably up around 5%. But unfortunately, with the new terms that are being put into them, when things go bad, they behave like an equity security. And if things go really bad, they get converted to an equity security. So people are buying these thinking they're safer than the bank shares when really at the time when you want them to be safer, they're likely to convert to a bank share. So, so we've got the view. We've we've had the view. Um, and and, and um, when the first CBA, the last CBA pearls thing came out, was that if you wanted to go into these things, you're actually better off putting half your money into the ordinary CBA shares and half into a CBA term deposit. And that's done far better than the CBA pearls share. So you need to look at what you're actually buying there. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and Stephen Pritchard. Um, we've been speaking about banks and capital raising and ANZ. Yes, ANZ selling their um, – and this, this is part of the banks raising additional capital. ANZ selling their Asanda business, um, which is um, their Asanda floor plan business, which is finances um, dealers' floor plans mainly, um, car dealers and motorbike dealers. Um, and what they're going to use that is, to, is that – to, to release capital, to, to reinvest in the business, to attempt to meet the new capital requirements of uh, APRA. And the RBA has come out and had a comment too. So this, 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 this probably affects a lot of listeners. The RBA says that it's logical for the big banks to raise home loan rates um, as APRA requires more capital to be held against home loans. So what they're kind of saying is that, that as there's, the bank has to invest more of its capital into into home loans, the return on their equity is going to decrease. And one of the ways they can attempt to recover that is to put up their home loan rates. So, um, and the RBA says that, you know, Reserve Bank is saying that it's logical that the banks would do this. Now, um, you, you know, one of the things against that, of course, is that um, the market's quite competitive on home loans. Um, the increase in capital requirements is, is, is only going to apply to the big four plus Macquarie. Um, the other smaller banks and the regional banks have, have been at a capital disadvantage. So it, it's probably the case that they're not going to put up their home loan rates. Um, so... It might be time to, if if you're worried about this occurring, and particularly with the rates as they are at the moment, it might be time to think about um, at least locking some of your uh, home loan rate into a fixed term, um, mm. so you know what you're going to be paying. I mean, rates could go um, rates could go lower as well, um, but you know sooner or later they're going to turn around, and I suspect when they do turn around, you're not going to see them go up a quarter of a percent ago. Mm. So and 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 um, the. Um, the fixed the fixed term rates are quite low. You can get them below four percent, mm-hmm. so that that's not a bad idea. Lock some of your home loans in uh, fixed rates. So um, if home loan rates go up, uh, does that mean that bank interest rates are likely to go up as well? Or with yeah. RBA rates no. depends how much uh, margin the bank absorbs. Okay, deposit rates you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, deposit rates have been going up for a while. If you if you look around, there's a couple of institutions offering um, at call rates at admittedly uh, uh, they're on some honeymoon period um, at three percent at the moment. Um, there's a couple of uh, major institutions offering three percent on at call, which I don't think is too bad. It's better than we've seen for a while. Um, it's not too hard to get high twos at call. 
I mean, not so long ago, we'd have been talking about eights, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Three years ago, we'd probably been talking about 8%. Anyhow, yeah, so, so you need to look around for your rates. Um, and, and some of the smaller institutions um, with the government guarantee, if you, you keep below um, your 250000 if that's what you're worried about, there's, um, you know, there's no problem with depositing money in some of the smaller credit unions where you often get a better rate. Hmm. Now, Link Group, tell me, what do they do? Link Group, oh, you know about Link Group. Link, Link, Link Market Services is uh, Link Group's a parent of Link Market Services. So they provide the second largest share registry business in Australia. So anyone who's got shares, I'm sure, has dealt with Link. Um, and they've also bought the Super Partners business, which is the uh, not for profit or industry superannuation, superannuation fund administration business. So I think they're the largest superannuation fund administrator in Australia. So Link Link's been um, uh, quite a profitable business, um, you know, making a few percent or a few basis points on each transaction, but they do lots and lots and lots and lots of transactions. So they've been over for private equity for quite a while, and they're looking at floating on the market um, sometime this year. Um, there's talk that um, they're looking to raise $2.5 billion, which would be the largest new float of the year. I would I would have thought if the thing's properly priced, it would be quite a reasonable investment. Mm, okay. And, unless people are going to stop buying shares, and unless they're going to stop putting money into super, because the business is only going to just keep growing. Mm, okay. And Slater and Gordon, we know that they've been in the news. Oh, Slater and Gordon. Yes, yes. Slater and Gordon. Continuing issues. Well, the, the issue there, the, the, there's a continuing issue about the valuation of work in progress. And basically, what happens is in a law firm or most professional firms work gets done and you get billed sometime later so 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 some judgment has to be made as to what proportion of the the, the work that's actually done is collectible um so um there's there's issues about um whether the work in progress might not all be collectible um um, which period it's being collectible in, whether it's being costly classified as a current asset and a non-current asset. Um, the problems just seem to be getting worse. Mm, okay. um, professional services firms that have listed on the exchange haven't, you know, had a really good track record. I mean, there's a, there's been a couple of laws. Slater and Gordon's the largest law firm, but, but there's been another one that's gone into administration. Um, there's been a couple of accounting firm rolls up, rolls up, roll-ups that haven't gone particularly well. Um, I think it's very difficult to bring in outside shareholders to a professional services firm. Mm, interesting point. Uh, now, casinos. Ah, uh, casinos. Well, of course, there was the battle over the Sydney casino, or not casino, whatever the new thing at Bangaroo is called. Yeah, yeah. There's a part casino between Echo and the Crown Group. And then there was a similar battle, in, and, and, and Crown actually got there part casino license in Sydney and and there was a, a similar battle over a new casino license in Brisbane and Echo had teamed up with some Chinese investors and Crown was on the other side. Well, Echo Entertainment's won that license and um, they're going to build a new entertainment precinct in Brisbane around their new casino. It'd be interesting to know just what that license, what basis a license like that is awarded on. I don't really want to know now. Oh, lots of submissions, I'd imagine. I don't know. <laughs> pages I mean, and pages. Lots of submissions and consultants' reports and pretty pictures and yeah, and how Figures. much you got. And I suppose in the end, how much you're going to pay the government for yep. it.
Now, new food labelling, we remember the frozen raspberries. Yes, we remember the frozen. Were they raspberries? Well, they could have been. Oh, they were berries. They were some kind of berries. They might have yeah. been those. So, anyhow, there's been a push for a long time to bring in food labelling showing the country of origin. So, that's supposed to be introduced. I saw some. It wasn't quite clear what's actually going to be introduced. There seems to be. It says they're introducing. Um, food labelling with the country of origin and it's on some barcoding thing because uh, I had to look close at the pictures in the financial review but it, but it appears to be that it's not actually going to show the country of origin except if it's Australia. So if it's Australia, it's going to say um, made and packed in Australia and then there's a barcode with various percentages on. And if it's if it's not an wholly Australian product, it's going to say made from uh, local and imported ingredients, but it will show you what percentage is local and what percentage is imported, which is an improvement. But it, it doesn't appear to, on the picture I saw, because there wasn't a lot of notes, uh, doesn't appear to show you which actual imported ingredients countries come from. I mean, there's been a lot of issues about this. I mean, products are coming in from... Um, Various companies, they go, countries, they're going into New Zealand. Um, it's all packaged up in New Zealand, and people look at the label and it says packaged in New Zealand, and they don't really know that it's coming in from China. And it was the same as those berries. People didn't know that those berries were coming in from China. So, so I, I think this is a step in the right direction, but but I think we really actually need to see which country it's coming from. Consumers that, need to be informed. Yes, the more information, the better. But I would have thought that. Um, this would have to be a positive step for 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 local uh, food can, uh, local companies such as uh, uh, Tassel, Hewan Agriculture, um, um, Webster, um, Select Almonds, uh, Golden Valley, yeah. who, who are wholly Australian companies that. Um, mm. And that's our market snapshot for today. We'll welcome Henry Jennings back next week too. I think, won't we, Stephen? Uh, I think so, when he's back from holidays. Yes, enjoying himself in New Zealand. New Zealand. Fact. Thursday, finance for our sponsors, Pritchard and Partners. Now, um, 49216216 is the number for your question or comment to get through to Stephen Pritchard today. Ian has rung in from Charlestown. Hello, Ian. Hello, Jane. Thanks for your program. It's good. Now, what would you like to put to our mate? Stephen? Yes. yes. Uh, I wonder if Stephen, and he usually does this, and I'm not sure how... You're talking to him now. I'm here. I'm here, Anne. I'm here. Thanks, Stephen, for that. Um, I was wondering if you can give us a bit of a wrap on the retailers, maybe West Farmers, Woolies, and um, and especially Metcash I have an interest in, Um, in a bit of a a five-second grab, if you like. Ah, well, we start with Metcash. Uh, Metcash has had some tough times. They've sold off um, the auto parts business, which some saw as the crown jewels. Um, Look, they've employed a... A, a, a new person to revamp their supermarkets. Um, the, the, I think the share price went up 20% in one day. Um, one of the largest shareholders is this fund called um, Alan Gray uh, Fund Managers. Um, they're very good at picking undervalued situations and I think they might even be Matt Cash's largest shareholder now. Um, and, and they say that they've got confidence in the business turning around. Um, so... You know, I, I, if I've got, if I'm already holding the cash, I wouldn't be rushing in to sell them because um, you probably bought them at two dollars or two dollars fifty or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, worse. Oh, who knows? <laughs> you know, obviously there's problems. I mean, I don't understand it really. I mean, I go into the Woolworths store at, where, where there's Woolworths and Coles side by side, and the Woolworths store just seems to be killing. Um, 
you know, Coles. So I, I don't understand. Business-wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go into the one at Market Town, you go into the one at Katara. I mean, admittedly, the one at Katara is massively improved from what it used to be. But there still seems to be a huge amount of more people in the Woolworths store than the Coles store. So so I don't understand how they're losing market share or if, what, why, you know, where, where they're losing market share. Um, obviously, the master's business is a black hole. I, I suspect if that was shut... Um, you know, the share price would go up, um, you know, probably 2 or $3 as soon as it was announced. Um, but I don't think the management's going to do that. I mean, and, and I think there's some management issues there. I mean, you saw what happened when they sold the Dick Smith business. Within in a very short space of time, the new management had turned it around. So I think they have to address the master's problem. I think they have to address the big W problem, which is losing money as well. And they should be able to turn that around. And, and, and I think the board needs to change. They need some people with retail experience. And when Paul Simons went in there and the, the comment from the chairman, you know, that the, the directors aren't there for retail experience. They're there for corporate governance purposes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, Coles, well, Coles keeps getting, um, Coles is being driven along by the Bunnings business. I mean, you've seen that. I haven't actually been out there, but there's this, apparently this new thing they've built at Bullaroo, which they're calling Blendale, is absolutely humongous. Um, so, you know, Coles is coming off a low base. I think there's a lot of work still to be done, you know, if you compare the stores around here and, you know, the new format at like I said, Garden City is quite good, and Jane's shaking her head, so she must have seen it. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I, if you're going to buy one, uh, if you're going to buy one, you'd probably buy West Farmers, I would have thought. But, but um, I mean, if I've got them, I wouldn't be selling them either. Yeah. Right. You know, Woolworths isn't going to cut their dividends, and if you if you've had them for a while, you've probably got a big capital gains tax bill if you sell them. And so, so you know. You know, you've got to take that into account. You'll probably lose, you know, 25% of your capital if you sell them. So, um, yes, yeah, so, you know, you've got, well, you got to think about that as well. Thanks very much, Stephen. Uh, and this might be showing a bit of ignorance, but my understanding about DJs is that um, it, it's not a ASX-covered stock now. Is that right? No, nah, yeah. Woolworths, Woolworths South Africa took over David Jones. And, um, what, 18 months ago now, probably? Yeah, 18 months ago. And, you know, this is another issue. I mean, the, the, the current, the previous management, you, you know, there, there's something going wrong with some of the management of these companies. And David Jones had a, a great brand. Um, the previous management, new, new people come in from overseas, and straight away the, the, the turnover starts to go up and the profits start to go up, and they're talking about doubling the profit in the next five years. Well, you know, why couldn't the existing board and management do that? So, I don't know. Yeah, so you can't buy shares in David Jones unless you buy shares in um, Woolworths, South Africa, mm. which you, you can trade overseas markets. Um, we've never bought anything in Johannesburg, but I'm sure we could <laughs> if someone really wanted to. But it would be, you know, by the time we've got the exchange rate, and, yeah, it would be quite expensive, I imagine. This is Thursday Finance at 8 to 1 on 2 and URFM. So taking your calls on Thursday Finance, David has rung in. You've got a question about property trusts, have you, for Stephen? Yes, I have. Stephen, I'm getting a little conflicting information from um, several sources. Um, I'm just wondering what your opinion is on listed and unlisted property trusts or funds, particularly um, Cromwell Australian Property Fund. Um, I, I, I don't... We, we really can't give personal advice, and I really don't know about 
from Well Australia Property Fund, except it's based in Brisbane. Um, but we, we can talk generally. I mean, the, the major the major difference is the listed funds on the are listed on ASX. Um, the major ones are quite liquid, which means you can buy and sell, you know, basically on demand. Um, some of the smaller ones aren't aren't so liquid, and you know there can be a delay in buying and and selling them. Um, the property trusts have gone up. Um, quite a bit in the last um, 18 months to two years. You need When you're looking at buying the property trusts on ASX, you need to look at the underlying net, net asset value. Now, on ASX, they tend to trade on more on a yield basis than the net assets. So, you know, just be careful about you're not paying a large premium to net assets on any of the ASX-listed property trusts. Um, and they also, you know, sometimes they carry a bit of debt. Um, uh, and then the unlisted ones. Now, there's a whole raft of unlisted ones. You, you, you're kind of talking about property syndicates. Um, what do you mean well, by an unlisted one? It, it was explained to me that um, the, the the one we're sort of being advised to look at um, buy mainly or buy and build properties that are rented to the government in predominantly. Okay, okay. So so it's an unlisted property trust. It sounds like an open-ended one. The the issue you need to look at there is how you can get your money back. Um, the, 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 these open-ended property trusts offer some kind of redemption facility. Um, what happened in the early 90s, everyone was in the uh, unlisted property trust and they all wanted their money out back at the same time. Uh, of course, the property was illiquid, the underlying asset was illiquid, used up whatever cash was, and then the money was frozen in there for a number of years. Um, the other the other type of unlisted property trust is these property syndicates, um, and they're usually for a fixed term. So you go in there knowing that your money's in there for five years, the property gets bought, and at the end of five years, um, the property gets sold. In the meantime, um, there's no liquidity unless, of course, you can find a buyer or the fund manager uh, may have a list of potential buyers, but generally they're sold on the basis that you go in there and your money's in there for the fixed term. So you need to think about, you know, the important thing is when you you think you're going to get your money back and when you think you need to get your money back. Um, and they're the two major questions you need to ask. If you want liquidity, um, go for the ASX one. If you want to, and the, the unlisted property trust more closely replicate the performance of property, but, but you know, you've you got the downside and property's a liquid asset. That answer your question, David? Um, yeah, just one little bit more. So what, the, the income is mainly derived from rent and then you're looking at appreciation as, as the property is that what you're looking at uh generally in a property trust incomes rent and you know maybe a bit of interest um and then you hope the value of the property goes up um rents on government buildings um because of the perceived security uh tend to be lower than rents on commercial premises right okay so so whereas for example you you a government tenant you know, on a property might sell at a six percent yield. Uh, a tenant on a property, at, um, you know, to a commercial type person probably sells on about eight percent. Um, yields in the Sydney CBD will be lower than yields in Newcastle CBD, and yields out in the country, um, like you know, go up the valley or up to you know New England, you might find you're getting ten or eleven percent. So, so you need to have a look at what the underlying assets are in the property farm. 
Okay, thanks for your call, David. And uh, we will be back talking finance on Thursday next Thursday after the midday news. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. And you can catch we'll us on podcast as well um, on 2NURFM.com.